Our scripture reading this evening will be a selection of verses from Proverbs chapter 22. Please follow along in your seat Bible or on the screen. Listen for and hear the word of God. A good name is to be chosen rather than great riches, and favor is better than silver or gold. The rich and the poor have this in common. The Lord is the maker of them all. Whoever sows injustice will reap calamity, and the rod of anger will fail. Those who are generous are blessed, for they share their bread with the poor. Do not rob the poor because they are poor, or crush the afflicted at the gate. For the Lord pleads their cause, and despoils of life those who despoil them. This is the word of the Lord. Move this. Our second scripture reading tonight comes from the Gospel of Mark, starting with chapter in chapter seven, beginning with verse twenty-four and going through verse thirty-seven. Listen now for a word from the Lord. From there, Jesus set out and went away to the region of Tyre. He entered a house and did not want anyone to know he was there. Yet he could not escape notice. But a woman whose little daughter had an unclean spirit, immediately heard about Jesus, and she came and bowed down at his feet. Now the woman was a Gentile of Syrophoenician origin. She begged Jesus to cast the demon out of her daughter. He said to her, Let the children be fed first, for it is not fair to take the children's food and to throw it to the dogs. But she answered him, Sir, Even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. Then Jesus said to her, For saying that, you may go. The demon has left your daughter. So she went home, found the child lying on the bed, and the demon gone. Then Jesus returned from the region of Tyre and went by way of Sidon towards the Sea of Galilee and the region of the Decapolis. They brought to Jesus a deaf man who had an impediment in his speech, And they begged him to lay his hand on this man. Jesus took him aside in private, away from the crowd, and put his fingers into his ears, and he spat and touched his tongue. Then looking up to heaven, Jesus sighed and said to the man, Ephaphtha, that is, be opened. And immediately the man's ears were opened, his tongue was released, and he spoke plainly. Then Jesus ordered them to tell no one, but the more he ordered them, the more zealously they proclaimed it. They were astounded beyond measure, saying, He has done everything well. He even makes the deaf to hear and the mute to speak. Friends, this is the word of God for the people of God. Will you pray with me? Lord God, We pray now that the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of the hearts gathered here might be pleasing in your sight. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Well, I mentioned in the introductions and the announcements how the lectionary challenges preachers and readers of scripture alike to open the Bible and find passages and read stories that they might not otherwise hear or necessarily want to hear. And 
our passage that we just read, at least for me, I don't know if everyone shares this with me, but I think this is a prime example of a passage you open up to and do not want to read. We have two healing passages in, or two healing stories, rather, in our passage today, and one of them, one of them in particular, really catches me off guard. It's such a tough passage because of the crumbs. Did you hear that part? In verse 28, it says, But the woman answered Jesus, saying, Sir, even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. There's a lot going on in here, but truly, it's the crumbs that get me. I mean, this poor, desperate woman. She has a child who is ill, so ill that she feels she has no other choice at this point in the progression of the illness than to go to Jesus and throw herself at his feet and to beg for him to heal her daughter and to say in that without a hint of hesitation that if it is only the crumbs that Jesus will give her, then it is only the crumbs that she will take. I mean, this is the Jesus who offers abundance out of nothing, right? If you open your Bible and flip to Mark 6, and Mark 6 There's the story of Jesus feeding 5,000 from uh, five loaves of bread and two fish. Jesus, who creates abundance out of nothing, now has a woman at his feet in a position where she is left with no other choice than to beg for the crumbs. If that's all he will offer, then that is all she will take. When I read it, the crumbs seem to represent the deepness of her suffering, the level of her despair. She's demanding something, anything, that might make her daughter well. I mean, come on. Where's the Jesus so many of us hear and think about, right? Where's the Jesus who's compassionate? The Jesus who's merciful? Where's the Jesus in this passage who loves us all? That's what we come to church for, after all, right? We come to be fed with these stories, to be filled and to feel happy and to go out full of life, ready to do the work of the Lord. But today... All we're offered is a retort from Jesus. The retort in verse 27 where he tells the woman, it is not fair to take the children's food and to throw it to the dogs. We're left with this retort and with the crumbs under the table. Now don't get me wrong, we can make all kinds of excuses for Jesus in this case. And many scholars and preachers, very wise people through the ages have done just that, trying to soften the force of this passage. Some have suggested that perhaps uh, this reference, especially the one to dogs, was not original to the Markan text, that perhaps it was added later in the early church history by a conservative scribe. Others offer that maybe Jesus' scolding would not have been quite as insulting, taken in its original first century context, that maybe Jesus was just referring to her as a pet. That doesn't really make it much better for me, even if that is true. Because the original Greek is there. The Greek means dog. House dog. And first century homes did not have the cute, cuddly house dogs that we have today. The ones that you buy Iams dog food for and pick up a toy on the way home from the grocery store. Dogs were not something you wanted to be associated with. That word and those crumbs do not present Jesus in the most positive light. The lectionary has given us a very hard passage, particularly for a service that is coming back anew 
ready to go. Why this one? It's difficult. I read a story this week on the CNN Belief blog, which in addition to the lectionary app, I would commend to all of you if you have some downtime or you're looking to procrastinate on a project possibly, go check out CNN. It's a subpage of their website called the Belief blog, and it pulls together articles by bloggers and by theologians and by pastors and people from a whole variety of faiths and from ecumenical backgrounds. But I was on there and I read this article that was written recently by a woman who left the church in her 20s. This woman's name is Andrea Dilly, and she explains how she grew up the daughter of Quaker missionaries in Kenya. And she says how that experience growing up really formed the foundation of her early faith. How uh, the, the worship services and the spiritual life of the people of Kenya really laid what became the foundation for her faith growing up. And even when her family moved back to the States after their mission time was over, they continued as active members of a local Presbyterian congregation, right? So she had that going for her. But as she grew older, she writes about how she entered what she refers to as her skeptic phase. She says more and more she began to experience these very real and growing questions and doubts about her faith. And then one day when she was 23, she went to church with her family And they were sitting there in the pew, and the preacher was uh, giving a sermon from the pulpit. And he's talking about how if Christians uh, just pray enough, and if they just have enough faith, they won't endure suffering. And Andrea writes about how she had seen suffering in Africa, how she had held HIV-positive babies, how she had seen the effects of extreme poverty. And I sensed in the article that she was suffering in that moment because she felt like her questions and her doubts were not welcome in that church. And so she stood up. She shuffled past her family in the pew. She turned around. She walked down the aisle, out the back door, and left the church. And as I was reading that article, it struck me that through the lens of this young 21st century woman's experience of the church, one that unfortunately I think is all too common today, that through this lens of being rejected or made to feel that doubt and questions are not okay, are not welcome at God's table, we see the whole point through that lens of our passage today. The point is in the message of our passage, and the message is one of profound mercy and grace. So back up with me for a moment. We left that Syrophoenician woman at Jesus' feet, begging for him to heal her daughter. She's just been called a dog. And again, scholars have lined up for years to offer accounts of why or what all this talk of dogs and crumbs and children might be referring to. But the theme in the passage seems to make it clear. The dogs, up until this point in the Markan text, Jesus' ministry has been to the Jews has been to God's chosen people, to the Israelite people. And he's now in a predominantly Gentile area. That is just non-Jewish is what Gentile is referring to. And here, this woman at Jesus' feet is a Gentile, Syrophoenician. We don't know much else about her, whether she's rich or poor, single or married. We simply know that she's a Gentile, and she's in the presence of a Jewish teacher. And this dichotomy shows us that what this passage is really speaking to is what is the scope of Jesus' ministry? Is it just to the Jews, or is it broader than that? 
Because then we read, after that retort, that reference to the dogs in verse 28, we read this. But she answered him, Sir, even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. Did you hear that but? Our passage doesn't end at Jesus' retort. It doesn't end at that all-too-human moment that I think anyone in this room can probably relate to when you're tired, when you're fatigued, when you just want to be alone. But the woman speaks. She answers Jesus, and she speaks boldly, and an amazing thing happens. God responds in an incredible new way. The boldness of her words in response to Jesus' rebuke doesn't diminish his power. Instead, the story is an example of Jesus' power and God's love suddenly expanding outwards. We can almost see Jesus' eyes widen at the faith of this woman, at her response, at the sudden revelation that the crumbs from his table are not meant to be kept nice and tidy, doled out to only a few. He sees that the scope of his mercy and grace extends far beyond a single house or region or faith. It's almost as if this woman reminds Jesus that he is the Messiah. His ministry and his vision are radically and forever reoriented from this point forward in the Markan text. After her response and the faith of her response, God responds. He heals the woman's daughter. He blesses her heart's only desire that her child be made well. The story's resolution reveals that God is not unchanging or unresponsive, but rather that God is compassionate and merciful. The crumbs no longer seem to embody the scarcity of God's love, but rather the breadth of it. I mean, think about it. Crumbs don't stay nice and tidy. They make a mess. They get spread out on the table. They fall through the cracks. They get in the carpet. They get in your fingernails. They get between your teeth. Crumbs are messy, just like our lives. The point is that the crumbs from God's table fall near and wide. They fall down through the cracks of our lives, down into both those places that are washed in light as well as those dark crevices that we try to hide or that we choose not to think about. The Syrophoenician woman's plea to be fed the crumbs reminds us that it is impossible for those crumbs to belong to only a single person or group. The crumbs from God's table are intended for us all, Jew, Gentile, doubter, questioner, and everything in between. Now that woman, Andrea, the one who left the church when she was 23, found crumbs. Now, I should admit here, I stopped halfway through the story earlier. So we're going to pick it up now, where I left Andrea's story off. Because Andrea returned to the church two years after she originally left. But she writes that her decision to come back to the church was not because her doubts and questions had dissipated or disappeared. Instead, she says she realized that her doubts belonged in the church. I love what she writes here. She writes that, I've come to believe that my doubts belong inside the space of the sanctuary. My questions belong on the altar as my only offering to God. She found those crumbs from Jesus' table in the community of worship. Coming back to church doesn't mean all her questions have 
miraculously been answered. But somewhere in returning, she discovered that the crumbs of God's grace and mercy in that community were enough for her right at that moment. So where do the crumbs from God's table fall in your life? What role do the crumbs from God's table play in your life? I can say that they're crumbs right here tonight. I know Rebecca and myself and Will and the band and Lauren all look so cool, calm, and collected up here. But inside, at least speaking for myself, I am scared of making mistakes, of saying the wrong thing, of forgetting to say something. We're nervous wrecks. I'm speaking for myself here now, but I think others might relate. It takes a lot of work to get a worship service put together. In the days and weeks before, there's so many things that we can forget to do, the deadlines we miss, the things we forget to say, all the things that we didn't get around to. And then, I experienced this in the spring when we started this service. We sang a song uh, called One Voice. And my heart is pounding. It's the first service. And I'm sitting up here, and when that song starts, I sense God's crumbs. I'm reminded that the words and feeling of that song, as well as the song tonight, Graceland, I mean, what more fitting song to begin a worship service with. I'm reminded that God's grace is enough. We are enough. Even in all the things we say wrong or forget to say at all, we are enough. So where do the crumbs from God's table fall in your life? What role do the crumbs from God's table play in your life? I can't answer that question, but what I can say is that when you see or feel or hear those crumbs, pick them up. Because they are God's gift that sustains us. They won't erase your doubts. They might not heal what you're seeking healing for in that moment. They might not solve all the problems or bring you immediate joy and happiness. But they will remind you. Those crumbs of God's grace and mercy will remind you who and whose you are. Now, lest we forget the other healing story in our passage tonight, I did say there were two, and you heard two. Jesus leaves the house after healing the woman's daughter, and he moves out into the region, this region around the Decapolis. And a group of people bring to Jesus a deaf man with a speech impediment, and they beg him to heal the man. And Jesus does as they ask, but he tells them, don't tell anyone that I did this. But you know what? The man whose sight is restored and the people who witnessed the healing can't help themselves. They can't keep quiet. They go about proclaiming to anyone they encounter about the miracle that has taken place. How can they possibly contain their excitement after witnessing something like that? And when I read that after thinking about these crumbs from the Syrophoenician woman's table, I thought to myself, man, you know what? Presbyterians are not the guys that went running out after witnessing the miracle, right? What's the joke about Presbyterians where God's frozen, chosen? We're not necessarily known for going about and proclaiming the word of God or shouting loudly about our faith. Some of us, I think, believe that our actions speak louder than our words, and that's right, I think, to a degree. Others, I think, worry that by speaking about our faith or out loud, we might inadvertently offend or hurt someone. Some of us just doubt that we have the right words to say to begin with. But in the boldness of the Syrophoenician woman's faith, 
And then the response of those men who witnessed the miracle and the man himself who was healed. We are taught that when we glimpse God's love and mercy in our lives and in the lives of others as well, when we reach down and pick up one of those crumbs, we're taught that our faith is not something to be held close to the chest, but rather something to be shared, something to be shouted out loud. So in just a moment, we're going to come forward and we're going to have communion. And we're going to break bread. We'll come forward by intinction, which Kevin will explain, but you're going to come forward and you're going to pull off a piece of bread and dip it into the cup. And I think the natural reaction for many of us when we pull that bread off and we have crumbs on our hands is to wipe them off. But tonight, I want to invite you, when you pull off that piece of bread, hold those crumbs between your fingers just for a moment. Roll them around and consider where the crumbs of God's mercy and grace are at work in your life. Consider how you might spread those crumbs. They're not to be kept tidy. They're to be spread, to share. Amen.